Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I'm your host, Jamie, and we are still in our series that we are calling Encounter. And I love this series so much because I love stories. And I specifically love stories of people's lives change through the gospel and the message of Jesus. Jesus lived an amazing story, and he changed lots of people's lives while he was on earth. He continues to change the lives of people every day because of his sacrifice, because of his love. And I want to tell those stories. So this is our third episode of All About Encounter. And throughout the last few that you've already heard and today and and next week, you're hearing people's stories of having that encounter with Jesus. Today's guest is Bonnie Gray. Now, Bonnie was on the show this year already. It was back in February, episode 468. She tells her story in a book that she released this year as well called Sweet Like Jasmine. She tells her story of just growing up in difficult circumstances. And I I don't want to give away her episode from earlier in the year. Please go listen to it. But today I invited her to tell me about when she met Jesus for the first time. And once again, you guys, I cannot help but always notice it and bring it up. There's people in her life that invested in her journey with Christ and I love that. You're going to hear that in the story today, and I just pray that wherever you are in your journey, if you are a follower of Jesus, that maybe you think about, how do I invest in those around me? You know, speaking of investing, we've been talking this summer about our partnership with ICM. We partnered with ICM last year, uh, and we built a church. I know. Let me explain that to you. We built a church. ICM really has a desire to see a healthy church within walking distance of everyone in the world. If you think about it, obviously the church is not the building, but buildings help people gather. They help them have a, a place to worship. I see them, what they do is they, they nurture believers and assist church growth worldwide. They do it by partnering with indigenous ministries to help equip local churches with two vital resources, a permanent church building and practical discipleship tr- tools in their native tongue. And you guys, we did this last year. We built a church for the Karuma Church that has already been existing. We did it last year. We raised $15,000. I was so proud, but we want to do it again. We're actually partnering with ICM to help build a church building for the Kasalaba Church in Uganda. I've heard it's actually not very far. It's close to where we built a church last year. But here's the deal. I want you to listen to me when I say this. It's 2022. This church has been waiting on a building since 1996. You guys, that's the year I graduated from high school. <laughs> that is the year that is forever ago in a lot of our brains. And they've been meeting this this committed body of believers without a building. And we want to step up and help them. In fact, they... They're investing their own time. They're investing their own labor. They have the land, but what they need is for us to come alongside and help them buy the materials. This church has a membership of 121 adults and listen to this, 121 children. These children need a building to meet in for churches. Um, And so I want to ask, I want to boldly ask that you would join us in partnering with ICM this summer. If 3,000 of you gave $5, we would have this goal met today. I think there's a lot of you that could give more. And so I'm just asking, will you kind of ask God, hey, what can I do? How can I be a part of this? What can I give to this ministry? Go to jamieivy.com slash build a church. That's jamieivy.com slash build a church to find out how you can come alongside ICM and help this 
group of people who have been meeting and waiting since 1996 have a building. All right, my friends, here's my conversation with Bonnie Gray. Bonnie Gray, welcome back to the happy hour. Jamie, I'm so happy to see you. Okay, so this is special because we recorded a show that released in February, which I just want to say that before I walked in here to record with you, Lindsay told me that our show, episode 468, came out in February. And I thought to myself, I would have bet $100 it came out a year ago. I literally cannot believe that was just February. What it, what happened to our to our six months of life? It's been crazy. It has. It's just, yeah, it's just unbelievable all the things that have happened. So crazy. Well, welcome to Austin, Texas. Yay. I love everybody's so friendly here. Oh, yeah. You're here on a day when like everyone's in the office, which makes it really, really fun. It's so good to see, you know, your team of sisterhood here. It's so great. Well, welcome back. And we're right in the middle of a series that we do in the summer called Encounter. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys, if you haven't listened to episode 468, which is when you were on the first time and we talked about your book and your journey and your upbringing and it was really, really a great episode. I was grateful that you came on and were willing to share your story. You guys, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen. It was it was fun. It was just such a great conversation. I had so many different DMs, people just sharing our stories. I, I think I love the space with you for that reason, sharing our stories. Yeah. And that's what gets people to open up. Mm. Your book, um, Sweet Like Jasmine, has done really well. So you just told me something. So why don't you brag on yourself a little bit oh no i i just really appreciated your support jamie i just want to share with you what god's doing behind the scenes um the ecpa which is the evangelical christian publishers association they named sweet like jasmine a finalist in the christian book award that's so great and that's that's special to me because in 1978 when they first came out the first book i ever bought once i had like a summer job as a little um, kid as a you know teen was Johnny it's the book on um, Erickson Tata yes that was the first book I bought and that was the first book award that was given in 1978 <gasps> did you know that like already or did you no 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 out? I just searched it up you know I I mean I just searched it up I'm like, oh what's this award about yeah. and you know what are the different books that have you know gotten the yeah. um, spotlight and I was just like blown away like God's brought me full circle a little girl born in Chinatown you know born to a teenage mail-order bride, a dad who's a busboy in a noodle shop, dysfunctional, broken family. How how does someone like me, I always get emotional, who learned English from Bert and Ernie watching TV, how does somebody like me come to a place where I can share a story of God bringing me out of brokenness? That's God's beauty. Me sitting here with you, my life could have gone sideways and had no U-turn. I'm sitting here with you in Austin, Texas. Mm. <sighs> now, I know this award is special for you, to you for a lot of reasons. Number one, it's just like, it's weird being a, an author because like we don't need people to validate us like because we're like, you know what? God gave me these words. He gave me the story and it's mine to tell and mine to share. But we, we'd be lying if we said the awards aren't fun and exciting okay but also as an asian american this is really exciting for you why is that 10 years this book has taken me 10 years when i first had the idea and i you know floated it a agents and publishers said at that time there's no market for asian american stories of faith jeez they said that to your face in an uh, email I mean, yeah conversation 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 yeah I mean, they didn't mean it in, you know, like a mean way, just letting me know the quote unquote realities of the market. And I was like, but I'm not 
looking to write to just Asian, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sisters. I'm writing to everybody. I mean, God shows up in every culture. Like, mm. and they're like, I understand, you know, th- they're very, you know, affirming as to the story, yeah. but that's just not the market. People are not going to be interested in buying that. And I was like, okay. Um, but I just, God just kept bringing it up. So as you know, he gave me opportunity to publish my first book, my second book, I kept pitching it, but it just never gained traction. Mm. But after Crazy Rich Asians, suddenly oh, the industry is very interested. Um, so I actually All have... All joking aside, are, are you being serious about that? No, I'm being serious. Wow. Crazy Rich Asians, uh-huh. the box office yeah. hit. Uh-huh. So now suddenly no, I read the like, book and I did see the movie too, but yeah. Okay, yeah. So now it changed. So I'm like, okay, we're going to pitch it again. And um, there was interest after Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. You know, um, we just started something here at Ivy Media, an Ivy Media podcast uh, yeah. collective of group of podcasters. And my friend Vivian Mabuni has joined us <gasps> with oh! her podcast. Someday is here. Yes, Vivian. And we, we've talked a lot about the need for content for you. You're talking about books. For her, she's talking about podcasting that is for and about and by Asian American Christian women. Mm. And I just am really excited about what she's doing. And so hearing you talk about that, I just got chills because I've been having conversations with Vivian about that. And it just, it, it feels super like humbling and honoring for me to even play the smallest part in cheering you guys on and what you're doing. And so congratulations. Oh, Jamie. I mean, I just felt like there was a connection and you, you got it. And just the fact that all these different pathways are intersecting it's like isaiah i'm making a way in the desert you know in a river in the wilderness and it takes all of us the holy spirit is that river in each of us and so as it sparks in you the fact that you're even excited you're getting goosebumps god is doing something god is moving and he's using us real people and it's interesting right around the same time connecting yeah well, I mentioned we're in the middle of this encounter series, and I told you before we started recording that I feel like a really bad podcast host with what I'm about to say, because I do not have a direct memory. But I, what I do remember is that when you and I were chatting, you said something, and I made a mental note of, I need to I need to circle back to this, because Bonnie has a story of encountering Jesus. And, and I say this in every episode, is that if you're listening and you are a follower of Jesus, you too have a story of encountering Jesus. Whether you were seven years old at Vacation Bible School, or you were in college, or you were a 45-year-old woman working at a bank and someone tells you about Jesus, however you find out about Jesus and start following him is your redemption story. So I don't remember specifically what you said, but something you said really sparked a curiosity in me. And so I would love to just ask you, what did faith look like in your life before you started following Jesus? Well, I remember that conversation. And I think that just the things that we share in common and things we're drawn to about stories, I feel like the part that really could have sparked your interest because you continue to, you know, we opened up and talked about the conversation. I said the Jesus I first met was lonely. Mm. It was the lonely Jesus that 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 made me realize that somebody understood that word. Mm. I never heard that word before. And so I just always been an early reader. That's part of, I guess, the lonely experience is that I just loved books. That's the only place that I felt understood. Mm. When I read a book, I felt a little more understood. Mm. And the stories were so different from mine. And yet when I read it, I said, I would say that that's me. Mm. 
And so that that's part of why, you know, sharing our stories and why I feel grateful for the opportunity after 10 years to be able to share the story. I My desire is that there's somebody that feels lonely, mm. that when they read my book, my story, they can feel the way I feel when I hear other people's stories, like the book you first wrote mm-hmm. that drew me into your story. Yeah. So my childhood was very lonely. Mm. Was there any faith in your childhood? Um, the first um, seven years before this moment, which, you know, I'll share about how I met Jesus. No, None. I, yeah, my mother was a mail order bride from Hong Kong. She was 17 years old and that whole culture is about worshiping idols, incense, and, um, speaking to your ancestors and hoping that they'll hear you. And um, making sure that you, you know, go to the temple and make sure you pray the prayer so that they can give you good fortune and good health and prosperity. So that is kind of the culture family home environment. And my father was a busboy in a noodle shop and in the restaurants. And you'll see, you know, anytime you go to um, Chinese, unless they're believers, mm-hmm. you'll see an altar, right? You'll see yeah. incense. Yes. Uh-huh. And so, you know, you have to put fruit there. You have to burn incense. And so that was the culture I grew up in for that seven years until I first, I mean, we'll get into the story, you know, like that, this is just, oh, what's church? What's Bible? You know, is that a foreign, would you, what religion or is it literally just culturally? Um, Buddhism. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would have assumed, but I didn't Mm -hmm. want to assume. Yeah. 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 So that's the the culture of your family that you were growing up in. That's what your home was. That's what your, your, your mom and your dad were experiencing. Yeah. It's like, be a good person. That's like the religion Uh is be a good person or else you'll have retribution. You know, karma. Mm -hmm. You know, in Chinese, we have a different word for it, but it's like, what is it? um, Yun Wan, Wan Hei. You know, these are all concepts of be a good person so you can have good fortune or else karma is going to bite you. Don't be a bad person. Yeah. So what in that religion, this, I'm going to get off topic here for just a small second, but in that understanding of karma and be good so that the world is good to you, yeah. what is the, um, what is said if life gets hard? Like you brought this on yourself or someone has done something wrong. Is that what it is? It's so fascinating. I love having this conversation with you because it's about fate and okay. destiny. Uh-huh. So something's going, you're going through something. Hard. Oh, it's your fate. Maybe in a past life. You know, I'm paying for it now. Now I've got to suffer, Mm. you know? So like my mom, that feels exhausting. Well, yeah. And my mom, and because you know my story and for the listeners, um, you know, I I talk about this in Sweet Like Jasmine about just like that fighting, that concept of fate or destiny, you know? And I feel like, you know, as I grew up, you know, in my relationship with God, I kind of still kind of fought that. Like I I replace it with what's God's plan for my life. When something bad happened to me, God, why... Why, why is this happening to me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And in fact, I was at one, I was visiting one of the uh, groups for Sweet Like Jasmine last weekend mm-hmm. as a, a, you know, a visiting speaker. Yeah. And somebody said, I'm in pain right now. You know, like I, I was just diagnosed with lupus and I don't understand. Everybody around me is always asked, telling me it's okay. God will use your pain. God will use your pain. And yet she's crying, you know, yeah. they're sharing with me, opening yeah. up to me. She's like, I don't, I don't see the point. Mm. I, I wish people would stop telling me, you know, God is in, you know, God's going to use your pain. God's your pain. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, what we're doing is we're opening a conversation that God's just not in the mountains, but he's in the valleys. Mm. That's where we can feel God. Yeah. That's where we can experience God, where we're stopping 
And that that's like reflective of at least how I met Jesus mm. and how I share Jesus is meeting people in the lonely places. Yeah. That because that's how I found him because yeah. nobody said that because the culture, you know, like I was explaining, uh-huh. conversation is about, well, then, you know, you got to walk yourself hard right. through it. Yeah. Get yourself through it. Do what you need to do. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no room for uh, weakness uh-huh. or emotion. Yeah. You push through it. And so I kind of adopted that as well. And combined with my, you know, I'm Chinese American. Mm-hmm. I'm not just Chinese. I, That's my heritage. But that's the American resilience right. part too. Yeah. Push past it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Keep moving forward. Yeah. But, okay. So lonely, lonely, lonely childhood. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting hearing about what life was like with faith aspect at your home. Um, do you remember when you first heard about Jesus? Oh, Yes. Definitely. So um, after my father left when I was seven, my mother wanted to be around Chinese speaking people. And so during that time, um, you know, in America during the 70s, -hmm. you know, early 80s, there weren't that many, um, you know, Chinese speaking people. You find them at church. Mm -hmm. So we went there out of kind of that interest Mm -hmm. that my mother had, you know, to connect with other Chinese speaking people. Um, so I remember very distinctly, because remember, I, I was growing up in Chinatown, right? Uh-huh. And so we went to this church and we made popsicle stick art okay, with the Jesus. Uh-huh. And, the, and I just thought that was just, I just remembered coloring it. And it's just interesting, you know, to all the people that serve in children's <laughs> ministry, you guys are making a difference. Oh, someone is just having a day of hearing that from you because it is so true. Yes. Those first memories stay with you. Yeah. And so I remember the popsicle stick Jesus yeah. <laughs> coloring it. But I still like, I thought that they were just kind of like, sorry, but I felt it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. They're talking about somebody that I can't see. Yeah. There's no incense. There's no altar. There's no idol. You know, like popsicle stick. Yeah. Yeah. God, you know. So, I mean, I didn't really think much of it at all. Mm. But it wasn't until there was a evangelical meeting in the mountains we had a guest speaker, so um, it was kind of like a weekend retreat. Yeah. And so I got to go, and it was one of my first memories of being out in the woods. How old were you? Seven. Oh, this is still seven. Okay, yeah, this is seven, because yeah. our parents left, and within that year, yeah. we got invited. You know, because we're new, you uh-huh. know, everybody wants us to go. So it just goes, like, to say it matters, the things we do when we put in time to create an experience. Mm. And uh, we drive away to a location this is important for our souls. And even like I have teenage boys, this is important. I want to make sure we go to different places and God can meet us in those, you know, unusual places that are outside of our everyday spaces. So, you know, I just never been like walked in the night in the woods, just never happened. So we're walking over and um, at that time, there's no children's program. So the kids have to sit in the back of the church okay. yeah. during the teaching. So uh, we're all just really bored uh-huh. because, I mean, plus it was in Chinese and I don't understand like the formal Chinese theological mm-hmm. Bible talk. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying? Like yeah. even in English, it was a lot of like Bible. Oh, yeah. Big words. Yeah, exactly. And you're seven. Exactly. Uh-huh. And it's in Chinese, which I didn't really understand those hard words. Anyhow, so we're just waiting for them to let out so we can eat the donuts and, you know, all the desserts that happen, you know, at the break. But suddenly there was a guest speaker and this was a young person. Yeah. The guest speaker was young and he started telling a story. He said there was a prince from a faraway land 
And then I suddenly perked up, right? Because yeah. I want to hear about this. Sounded like a fairy tale to yeah. me. Yeah. So at that time, he didn't tell, you know, he was just telling the story that there was a prince and he wanted to know the people. But every time he went into town, everybody would just worship him, bow down to him. And he's like, no, I want to like sit and like, you know, get to know you. But everybody knew he was the prince. So they could never just be themselves. Wow. So he said, um, the prince, you know, I'm going to go incognito. And I'm going to be among the people. And they won't know I'm the prince. And that's exactly what he did. Wow. And so he made lots of friends. And, you know, I'm enraptured. I'm sitting up at the edge of my seat. I'm yeah. like, oh, my gosh, I like this story. <laughs> yeah. And I know where this is headed. Uh, okay? Yeah. But then the story took a left turn. Then it said that he was accused of a crime. And so I, I still, because I read a lot, right? Because yeah, I'm lonely. I love reader, books. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I know, he's going to get up and he's going to give a soliloquy and tell everybody I'm the prince. And he didn't. What? I mean, that was kind of like my journey to knowing Jesus is like, what? Yeah. And then something really odd happened. All his friends left him. Oh, now I'm really upset. What kind of story is this? I started getting upset and yeah. mad, actually. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I, I can't. That's not an, an emotion that I'm allowed to have mm. in my family. That's yeah. our family code. You can't get mad. Wow. But I felt angry. Yeah. Why did these friends leave him? Why isn't he speaking up? So I'm just waiting. I'm waiting, waiting for the resolution. And he died. He was crucified. I, I did not like this story. I was very upset at this story. What kind of story is this? I'm channeling my seven-year-old self yeah, in front of you right now. Yeah. I'm like, what in the world? I don't like this story. And then that's when the speaker told us that this person is actually Jesus, the Son of God. And he came because that's the only way we can know him. And then he started to tell us the story. Like right before he died, it was so hard for Jesus. And I still get emotional. It was so hard for Jesus, he said, because he actually was afraid, even though he wanted to do it. And I'm so thankful to this young preacher. I don't know who he is. He told the human story of Jesus. He wasn't afraid to say that Jesus felt afraid. Yeah. And I feel like that is what we're all longing. We're mm -hmm. all longing to find that safe place with each other. You know what? I'm, I'm a little afraid. Yeah. I'm really scared about this happening in my life. Oh, we can just exhale yeah. because that's what happened. That was the lonely Jesus because he started sharing that he was crying. I had never, ever heard of anything like that. Wow. Why would a God cry? Yeah. So that the Jesus that I met that I felt drawn to was the lonely Jesus. I immediately in my heart, and I wrote this, you know, when I told the story, I'm lonely too. Mm. I'm lonely too. And so that's my moment that I felt Jesus. And, you know, everybody has a Jesus story. That was the moment when I said, I am lonely too. That's when I felt the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit coming to my heart to comfort me. And I'm reliving it. And this is exactly what happened. I started crying. And I am not somebody that cries as a little girl because you know, my mom was very verbally abusive. Like if I were to cry, she was like, go in your room. Mm. Don't cry in front of me. Go in your room. So I would cry at night under my blankets. Mm. 
You know what I mean? So I never cried like in public or anywhere. I was in that kind of girl. I was like a very spunky, yeah. tomboy type girl. So the fact that I was crying in church, listening to the story with my tears streaming when the you know pastor had said, you know, if you feel God is talking to you and you want to know Jesus, come walk, come walk down. And it was just so normal and natural. I just walked down. Wow. Now I have so many questions <laughs> because your mom's here too. Yes. At this, at this yes. thing. And, yes. And this was not, and you can fill in some blanks here for me. It sounds like this was not, um, your normal type of worship that you had been accustomed to Correct. in your family. And so what happened in your mom's life? Um, my mom came to know Jesus too, but I actually don't know her story. I know that my mom um, got baptized. And so her testimony was short. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, people give different testimonies yeah. that they're baptized. Hers was short. Hers was like, I believe Jesus is the son of God and um, I want to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's given me a new way. And so I'm here to be baptized. Yeah. But I don't, I didn't have the relationship with my mom where like she's my bestie or somebody's mm -hmm. like, oh, mom, you know, uh -huh. how did you know Jesus? Like our relationship was very uh, verbally and emotionally abusive. Yeah. So it's, we don't have any kind of those kind of talks. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah. So your seven-year-old girl, which I could f picture myself in that um, little church setting with you, almost sitting right next to you. Like I could just feel on the edge of my seat too, as a little kid. Um, what did life look like for you after that? I mean, you have felt very lonely and you, for the first time, felt someone talk about a God who you felt sees you and knows you and understands you in a world where you felt so unseen. How did that change your childhood? Well, you know, after we accepted Christ, um, interestingly enough, there was no follow-up discipleship. You know, we're really good now with programs, uh -huh. you know, yeah. but I mean, as a little kid, um, I'm gonna get a tissue so you might, our <laughs> listeners, you might hear me <laughs> dabbing my eyes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there was no follow-up, but I loved reading. So obviously I'm like reading the Bible, reading the gospels, and it was so beautiful. Like God just knows us. Mm -hmm. A year later, one of my Sunday school teachers, her name is Marianne, she pulled me to the side and she's like, oh, Bonnie, I was wondering, would you like to maybe get together once a week? Wow. Um, I just want to get together with you and after school. And immediately I was like suspicious. Like, why? Why do you want like to get eight to eight or nine years old? I'm eight now. Yeah. 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 Eight or nine. And I'm just kind of suspicious. Like, why? You know, plus my mom, she doesn't like people coming into her home. And I knew that I couldn't really go out to meet with her. I'd come back home right away. I have a younger sister, five years younger mm -hmm. than me. So it's kind of like a second mom. Like yeah. I had chores to do. Mm -hmm. I needed to take care of her. And so I was, I was like, I, I don't see how this is going to work, but. I said, well, what, what would we do? Why, why do you want to get together? And she said, oh, well, like, do you like to read? We could do a book. We could just, like, read a book together and we could talk about it. Oh, my gosh, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, ah. Do I love books? Yes, I love books. Yeah. So then, of course, then I got, you know, really resourceful. I'm like, okay, um, where would this be? Can you come to my house? And she, to this day, was the only person that came into our house. I grew up in a 400-square-foot home on the wrong side of the railroad tracks. Marianne was the only person that spent time in my home. Wow. 
And uh, these tears are tears of joy, gratefulness. So anytime God puts a little boy, a little girl on your heart mm. to spend time with, meet with, even if it was, you know, one time, doesn't even have to be an ongoing commitment. I promise you, you have no idea mm. that impact of somebody's presence being with you, seeing you, smiling at you. By the way, nobody knew any of these dysfunctional stories. It wasn't until, you know, like last year when I wrote this story that I felt it was time for me to share my story because I grew up not wanting people to uh, feel like turned off by God Mm -hmm. because at the time, Jamie, I felt in young in my faith walk that I needed to present the mountaintop Mm. experience of Jesus. Right. I wouldn't want them to, you know, see the brokenness. So what I'm trying to say is at the time, Marion did not know. And up until when I wrote the book, Marion even said, Bonnie, I did not know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were also eight years old. Yeah, exactly. That's like, exactly. I mean, it's asking a lot of a child. Too. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, yeah. like to be comfortable with their feelings no, and their no, life no. and all no, the things. No, But she was so committed to you. Yeah, so she came. And so like... I, I just like remember her coming and sitting in my home and I never felt uncomfortable, even though I was embarrassed. Our home, our home was, you know, just not well taken care yeah. of. Everything's old. All the furniture is mismatched. It's used. But you know what? It's amazing when you, someone looks in your eyes, they have that love. You can tell, you can tell when somebody's not looking all around mm-hmm. you or judging you. It's just this feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so in that moment, it's just like this bright light. You know, obviously, if I were to shoot as a film, you know, I would have like streams of sunlight through the window, (laughs) you know. Yeah. So it was Marianne. Wow. That walked with me through that eight-year-old all the way into high school. And she kept in touch with me in college. Oh, yes. Yes. She is that kind of person. Wow. And so after college, um, when I went off to college, I didn't always return her phone calls because you're so busy. And she's actually really like sweet kind of, uh, you know, woman where she's not pushy or anything. She's Mm -hmm. like, oh, just call me when you have a chance. And of course, I keep forgetting. But after um, not seeing her and after for my wedding, you invite your old friends only for the wedding. I saw her and then not until I later had my kids when I first had my first panic attack Mm -hmm. because I had to, you know, heal from my childhood Mm -hmm. trauma. The first person I thought of, because I just had a baby, and I was like, how am I going to take care of my kids having panic attacks? And who would I go to? Like, if I go to therapy, who's going to watch my kids? You know, guess what? Jamie, I called Marianne and talked to her in years. And just hearing her voice, I just started crying. And I just told her, she's like, Mary, I don't know why, but I'm having panic attacks. I didn't know that at the time Mm -hmm. why I was having them. And she said, don't say anything more. Where are you? She's like, I get off work. She's an art teacher mm-hmm. for elementary school kids. She's like, I get off work at 2.30. I'm coming right over. And I had not seen her in years. Wow. And she came over. She's like, take the kids out to the playground, get outside, and I'm going to come right away. And I remember that moment just like she sat across me as a little girl doing you know, this little book club. Mm-hmm. She held me. And I just cried in her arms. I said, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm having panic attacks. I'm scared. There she is holding me. She's like, you're going to be okay. We'll figure this out. I want to be Marianne when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling you are Marianne. Oh, my god, You are Marianne. That is so amazing. You know, I I hear these stories a lot of people telling me about their journey towards Jesus. And one thing I love that you're saying today is that, like, 
following Jesus does not equal easy life. Which Phaedra, who was on the show, we also talked about that as well. And I think that's just this misconception. But I think that any kind of life doesn't equal easy life. And so adding Jesus onto an already difficult life for me is like, I don't understand what the, there's no other option because there's no peace anywhere else. There's no hope anywhere else. There's no comfort anywhere else. Um, And so as now, you know, you've been following Jesus for most of your life. And we've talked about mental illness a lot on the show. Mm -hmm. I like covering on the happy hour because I think it's important and relevant. And you talk about it in your work and personal life. Yes. What does it look like for you to journey with Jesus, even in your mental health journey as well? You know, I I think that the way I met God was already him paving the way Mm. because I, it was very natural for me to go to him Mm. for me. It was because that was the lonely Jesus that drew me to him. So when I was having mental health issues and, and I mean, I still have to wrestle with them because there are triggers, yep. there are stressors. So um, it's very natural. I go to Jesus with all my questions. You know, why is this happening? Why am I feeling this way? And I'll journal. I mean, I didn't know until later as I went on my healing process and that's part of my ministry is about soul care mm-hmm. is that journaling, even 10 minutes of journaling will help our body release serotonin, will stop cortisone, start lowering it. Like these are things I didn't even know, but yeah. God has given each of us some kind of what we call flow. Uh-huh. When you're in the flow, whether it's music or singing or painting, there's something in each of us he gives us that it relieves that stress. And so those are there are some of those, and I went on a journey to kind of discover what are those things? What are those like restful spaces? What are those... St- stress-reducing activities that I need to help my body. And we talked about this when I was Mm -hmm. last here, the body keeps score. So I I went on a new journey. So up until that point when I became a mom was I started learning about mental health soul care. And I never, ever learned about it before because I thought, you know, that I didn't need it. Yeah, I think that's why it's really um, wonderful connecting with people because the pandemic has allowed us all to talk more about it and we can share ideas and kind of learn like, what does the Bible say about, mm-hmm. you know, when you're feeling down and what does science say that we need to do? And so God created our bodies. It's so amazing now he created our bodies to help us in the midst of healing and everything that we're walking through. All of us on the other side of, well, I don't know when we start to say on the other side of COVID. It's like, I don't know, maybe 10 years, maybe we'll say it then, I yeah. don't know. But everyone's on this healing journey of, yeah. of, of walking through some hard things. Well. I mean, I'm getting a little passionate right now. Go. Okay. Because there's a lot of um, focus on breath work in the culture. Mm -hmm. And um, I did a study on the word breath and breathing. There's over a thousand, a thousand references to the word breathe. Wow. In In the Bible, in scripture. Uh And it's actually quite even, like half, half. Half of them are in the Old Testament, half are in the New Testament. Okay. And even among the word breath, there's so many different words. So, um, Actually, this is kind of like my work right now, my yeah. ministry. And I was telling you, I just finished uh, writing my fourth book. So it's it's along the lines of we need to learn how to be more integrated. Like God says, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. We've got the mind down, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. knowing God's word. Yep. And that's important. But there's a part that's missing, which is our soul. Yeah, And that's our human experience, our personality. What is it that gives us rest? What is it that gives you joy and peace? Like, 
I didn't even know the answer to that. That's like a foreign language, like yeah. on the planet Mars. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. I'm more like, what do I need to do? Uh-huh. What's our Checklist, next plan? Checklist. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's not like, oh, what can help me stress less? Uh, how can I make space for peace and joy? Like, right. that's just like a foreign thing. So I needed, because I, I am, you know, that's how I met Jesus through the word, and that's where I get my strength. Yeah. I said, God, you need to show me. I need the permission <laughs> from your word. And then I'm also a science girl. So I studied engineering in college. I need to know like both things, the science of how things work. And then God, what do you say about yeah. it? So that's a long kind of meandering path to like, how is Jesus meeting me in my mental health? I'm learning that the Bible actually has a lot to say about our bodies. It's amazing. That's amazing. And I think so many times it can feel very scary for people because, um, I remember the first time that I experienced, I don't know the correct word on how to say this, so forgive me, but the first time I experienced like a kind of off off the path of mental health for me, like I, 12 years ago, had like a panic attack. And it was the first time where I was just had to come face to face with like, oh wait, things aren't okay. You know, like there's something off here. And that felt a little scary as a Christian because my first thought was like, I'm not strong enough. I must not be reading God's word. Maybe I need to pray more, all the things. And that's a lot of times the message that we can hear. Um, and I love that you're diving into like, God has a lot to say about this. Um, but it's not just like, oh, you're doing something wrong. You know, he has things to say of like, here's how I've equipped you to help yourself and to help each other. Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. I I love how we're kindred spirits because this is a total flashpoint for us as believers that when we have mental health issues, panic attacks or anxiety or depression, we wake up with brain fog, you know, whatever it is, we're having off day, we're, we're just obsessing over certain worries. There's too much incorrect misbeliefs and myths that our only way to use our faith is to overcome. In fact, it might take more faith to ask Jesus to help us to walk through mm. what we're going through. Because... You know, faith is not just for the mountaintop, it's to walk through the valleys. And yeah. it isn't to address something that's wrong with you. Mm. It means we need care. It's yeah. like our body is just a diagnostic. Right. You know what I mean? We don't say, okay, you're a bad car because you need gas. Right. Or, oh, you're a terrible flower because you need water. Yeah. No, it's actually, you know, you are the center of God's attention. Yeah. Your care is more important to God than anything that we might be doing. So it's actually a beautiful invitation. And this is why I'm so passionate. Like, it's wrong to say, oh, if somebody has anxiety or panic attacks, oh, there's something wrong with your faith. Mm. There's something you're not doing enough of. Um, No, it's more like, wow, God sees what you need. And he wants to give you permission to free you up, to enjoy it, learn about it, explore it. Um, You're not invisible to God your emotions are not invisible mm. to him. You're the center of God's attention. Now, this is interesting back to this encounter series that mm-hmm. we're, you know, you're doing, which I love. Why is it that we stop leaning on Jesus after we become a Christian? Right. It's like the Jesus that we all like fall in love with, we're safe with. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh my gosh, God, look at all these things. Why do we stop yeah. that intimate relationship? Suddenly we're more working for Jesus than mm-hmm. confiding in him. Yeah. And receiving, scriptures say he loved us before we loved him. Mm-hmm. So let me love you more. So there's some kind of phrases that are always reminding me when I feel anxiety, my natural response is to um, get something done, solve the problem, worry about 
you know, all the logistics. Yeah. But now I have a different voice that I kind of go to. Let God love me more. Mm. What would that feel like right now? What What would that be like to me? Mm. You know, what would that mean? And second one is, if I could be more honest than I'm comfortable with, what is it that I really want? Mm. If I could be more honest than I'm comfortable with, what am I really upset about? Mm. So that's kind of like my go-to phrase. Yeah. If I could be more honest and uncomfortable with, and then fill in the blank, yeah. this is what I would say. Yeah. So because I'm a journaler, that's uh, that's like how I would begin. Yeah. yeah. And then out of that, I would realize, okay, I actually don't want to do that. Mm. So that's really hard to say, I, I actually don't want to do this Yeah. because I tend to want to, you know, help, encourage, and serve. So a lot of questions come out of that. The, the more interesting questions about our faith comes out when we're able to look at these diagnostics yeah. when our bodies tell us, what am I doing that I really don't want to do? Mm-hmm. What am I feeling guilty about? Yeah. What am I feeling like um, I'm doing under obligation? Mm. And what am I missing out on? Mm-hmm. What am I not spending time on? The things that really fulfill me, yeah. the things that really spark yeah. joy and peace. Those are kind of taboo questions to ask. Right. What gives me joy and peace? Mm-hmm. Because it equals I'm being selfish. Yeah. The world says. The or world maybe says. Even the church says something. Yes. The yeah. church culture yeah. or our family code yeah. or family whatever code, messages. Whatever, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it is like, um, I was going to say, I was going to use the word interesting, but I think God's way bigger than that. I think it is so um, intriguing, amazing, beautiful that the way that you met Jesus for that first time and, and when you had that experience in the church with the story about the prince that you were in a season of feeling very very lonely and you said i met jesus and un- felt like he could see me and then god is taking you on this path of work to really pour out and encourage people who are also feeling very lonely and unseen and not taken care of and you are pointing them back to the god who sees the god who saw you and the god who saw them and I think it's beautiful. I love stories um, so much because I think they change the world. Your story in your book, your story that you're telling us now, um, really, really point people back to a God who sees us. And so thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, it's just, I think it's beautiful. You know, one of the studies I, I had heard that in marriage couples, one indicator, this by the Gottman Institute in Washington, they said one indicator whether or not a, how a couple is doing is whether they can recall how they first met. Wow. And how they feel about it. So if couples are, you know, in crisis uh-huh. mode. Yeah. Gottman says, you know, for instance, their body language are crossing their arms. They don't really remember how they felt. Yeah. They don't remember very many details, but couples that are healthy, even if they have arguments, because Gottman says, you know, couples will have arguments and disagreements, but one indicator out of seven, there's only seven, is can they remember their falling in love story? Mm. And so this translates to Jesus and why I love this encounter series. Like it brings us all to remember that moment Mm -hmm. that we felt loved. We felt safe. We felt seen Mm. with Jesus. And so it reminds us to bring us back in Revelations. This is a beautiful verse. um, Speaking to different churches, Jesus said, return to your first love. Return to your first love. So I think that's a beautiful invitation. How can we return to that first love? Yeah. 
Bonnie, thank you. Um, I, I want to know what you're reading these days and what you're loving. Oh, okay. So I was telling you, I've been doing a lot of research, uh -huh. you know, for my new book about mental health. And so Breathe, uh, sorry, Breath by James Nestor. Okay. It's the new science of a lost art. Okay. It's about breath. And then The Body Keeps Score. Yes. And last is a new book. Actually, I have it on pre-order. It's called Lifetime. Your body clock, how it relates to your essential health. Oh, wow. You are doing a lot of research on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I dig really deep into the Bible and the study, mm -hmm. but I like to then have books that are more like on the science, nonfiction yeah. side to, you know. Um, it's how your brain works, too. Yes, yeah. yes. How it kind of informs the scripture. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Bonnie, thank you so much for coming back on The Happy Hour. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. All right, y'all, another celebration. I can't get over this. And if you haven't figured out, if you've been listening this summer to the episodes, whenever my team plays a celebration for me, I don't know who it is. I don't know what's coming. And so it's a party all over for me, all over again. And so here is another kind friend celebrating the Happy Hours 500 episodes. Jamie, it's Tracy Bach, and I am going to try and sum up how much the happy hour has meant to me, which is going to be hard because it's changed my life. Um, God led me to your Instagram in 2020 and then to the happy hour because he knew that I needed to hear the conversations that you were having on the happy hour. Um, the, so many of the guests that you've brought on that you've allowed us to listen in on hard conversations that we might not have in our lives normally. But we all need to be challenged, and it has just changed my thinking. It's changed my faith and my walk with God. It's changed my actions and made me take steps to just embrace and be more welcoming to vulnerable communities. And I also just have so much fun listening. It's my favorite thing to do to put in my earbuds and take a walk and listen to the happy hour. And Mondays and Tuesdays are the worst because there's no new episodes for me to listen to. Oh my gosh, that is Tracy, who I met her because she went on a trip with us to the border with Women of Welcome last fall. And Kylie, just another listener, really expressing what the happy hour means to her it sums up why we do what we do tracy thank you for listening thank you so much for listening to the happy hour with jamie ivy podcast we are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you every encouragement we get to give you and every opportunity we get to point all of us to jesus if you're loving this show we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Graphics are by Amaya Savoy Easton. The show is edited by Angie Elkins. And I'm your host every week, Jamie Ivy. And goodness gracious, I love being here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend.